Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is the podcast where we are studying the Word of God. We are looking at the Gospel of John. Today is episode 133. We're looking at John chapter 10, verses 7 through 18. Let's read the passage together. Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he's not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from the sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down. I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Well, Jesus is talking about sheep shepherding. Before he talked about the the pen that the sheep came in and would spend the night to be a gatekeeper. The shepherd would come in the morning, call the sheep. The sheep would go to the shepherd and follow him because they recognized his voice. They won't follow a stranger, but will run from a stranger. And he wrapped it up then in verse 6. John says, Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. He was just talking about sheep things then, about the, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Well, now he's applying it to him. So in verse 7, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, this is that phrase, Amen, amen, I say to you. So whenever he says that, you know, he's about to say something noteworthy, something important. Not that he ever says anything that's not important, but something particularly to take note of. So truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. He's talked about the gate. The gate was what protected the sheep. The gate was where only the the shepherd could enter. The sheep came in and left through the gate. Now he says that he is the gate. And verse 8, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. So the picture of the gate, the gate is the method of interest. You only can come and go through the gate. And anyone who doesn't is a thief or a robber. So the gate represents protection from one perspective. The sheep are protected by the gate. But yet it's also the entrance. And he specifically says that in verse 9. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. So the contrast here is between the thieves and robbers and Jesus, who is the only path to salvation. Now he didn't say who the thieves and robbers are. And I don't know that he intends anything one in particular other than just 
He is the authentic one of salvation. He is the one that provides security. Because he says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. Well, he can't be talking about everyone. There were many prophets sent by God. They weren't thieves and robbers. Is he talking about the religious leaders? Is he talking about people who've come and claimed to be the Messiah? He didn't say, and, and it's not clear, and he may not be talking about anyone in particular other than he is the one now, the authentic one, versus any pretenders or any leaders who have led the people astray. Then in verse 10 he says, A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Just a note about form here. It's what we call a triad, where he uses a, a group of three things. Steal, kill, and destroy. And that's where you're making a point. And it, what he's showing is the badness of the, the thief, how bad he is. So he uses this group of three. So Jesus uses that. Paul uses that a lot in his writings. Uh, Jesus used it when he talked about being the way, the truth, and the life. When he talked about ask, seek, and knock. So using a group of three, it's just a literary device. It's a, a way of speaking to make a, a point. People somehow process things well when they're in a group of three like that. So the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so they may have life and have it in abundance. So here's the contrast between him and the thief. Those who come before, who are thieves and robbers, who are not authentic, who are not there for the sheep, but only for self, and the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come for salvation, so that they may have life and have it in abundance. We'll see this again later in a few chapters when he talks about life in abundance. In verse 11, I am the good shepherd. Now here's two of these I am passages. Remember, what's significant about I am is that's what God used to identify himself when he appeared to Moses. He just said, I am. I am who I am. I am the self-sufficient one. So there's uh, seven I am statements in the Gospel of John that people generally point to and say, these are some of these I am statements. One is, we just saw in verse 9, I am the gate. Now here in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So the good shepherd provides true security versus the thieves and robbers come to steal the sheep, kill the sheep. The wolves come to eat the sheep. But the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, laying down your life for a sheep, that would involve fighting off a, well, thieves and robbers, or fighting off wolves who've come to eat the sheep. And it would be bad for the shepherd to die for the sheep because once the shepherd has died and laid down his life for the sheep, uh, there's no one left to protect the sheep. So if a pack of wolves comes and the shepherd fights the wolves and the shepherd loses, then the wolves eat the sheep. If the robbers come and the shepherd fights the robbers, shepherd loses the fight, the, the robbers steal the sheep. So in a normal shepherd setting, laying down your life, being willing to, being fighting to the death is, is one thing, but laying, actually laying down your life for the sheep would be a, a very bad thing for the sheep. But it is here because Jesus, Jesus is looking ahead to his crucifixion where he will die for the sins of the world. 
Now he contrasts himself with the hired hand, verse 12. The hired hand, since he's not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he's a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. So the hired hand, he's just there for his paycheck. He's not there to risk his life for the sheep. He has no personal connection to the sheep like the shepherd does who owns the sheep. And then Jesus is painting himself that picture that he has this personal connection. He's willing to die for the sheep. He says again in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. This harkens back to we looked at last time where the sheep know my voice. And verse 15, just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Here he says this again. He said in verse 11, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now he repeats it in verse 15. I lay down my life for the sheep. He's looking ahead to the crucifixion. Now verse 16 is a curious passage here. He says, but I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. There's been a lot of debate through the years as to what he means. Is he talking about the Greek-speaking Jews scattered around the world, that he will bring them in together? I think he's talking about the Gentiles and the picture of unity he's talking about, where Jews and Gentiles will come together in Christ, and there will no longer be this wall of separation. Paul talks about the wall of hostility in his letter to the Ephesian church. I believe he's talking about the Gentiles, but he doesn't specify it, so it's not a certain thing. But he is talking here about there's others, others that he will bring together, and there is unity. One flock, one shepherd. Jesus is the one shepherd, and anyone who's a follower of Jesus is part of that one flock, unity. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. Now he repeats, He's going to lay down his life for the sheep, but he adds, so that I may take it up again. This is a picture of the resurrection. He's not just going to die. He's going to rise from the dead. He's not going to stay dead. Then he, verse 18, he says, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. So he says in verse, it talks about laying down his life in verse 11, verse 15, verse 17, and again in verse 18 he says, I lay down my life, or the good shepherd lays down his life. And then the last two verses, 17 and 18, he says, and take it up again. Verse 18 he adds, no one takes it from me. Those who don't make much of the cross, don't make much of sin, separating people from God, don't see a need for a Savior to die on a cross. And many just look to the crucifixion as an unfortunate incident, just typifying the cruel, inhumane attitudes of those in charge. And they crucify Jesus. Well, they didn't just crucify Jesus, as he says here, in verse 18, no one takes it from me. How many times have we seen already in John's gospel, people sought to lay hands on him. People wanted to grab him. People wanted to kill him. 
but it wasn't allowed because it wasn't yet time. Nothing happens to Jesus without his okay. Nothing happens to Jesus without the okay from the Father. So it's not that Jesus is going to be just seized and killed as a, an unfortunate thing that happened. It's all part of the plan. And no one's going to kill him without his going along voluntarily. So no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own, and I have the right to lay it down and the right to take it up again. So Jesus is looking ahead to the crucifixion where he will die for the sins of the world. And because of what he does, anyone who enters by him, who is the gate, will be saved and will have life and have it in abundance. That's something really to celebrate. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the Gospel of John.